Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening. I'm Piers Morgan Uncensored. Tonight, Boris Johnson must go. The greased piglet of politics has slipped and squirmed through almost three disastrous years of disorder and deceit. 38 resignations in two days have butchered his government. And tonight, surely, nothing can now save his bacon. Good evening, I'm Piers Morgan on Sensor, looking at live pictures over Downing Street where, well, Boris is hiding, lurking, refusing to go. Welcome to a special two-hour programme as Boris Johnson's government explodes, implodes, whatever you want to call it, it's one hell of a mess tonight. We'll have all the latest from the heart of Westminster. The Prime Minister's political career could end as early as this evening. In fact, by the end of his programme, Britain could be looking for a new leader. It certainly should be. On another devastating day of tension and treachery in British politics, one very simple question rang out to me, and it came from one of his own Conservative MPs this afternoon. Does the Prime Minister think there are any circumstances in which he should resign? <laughs> it's a great question, isn't it, Prime Minister? What exactly would it take for you to do the honourable thing and quit? Why haven't you done that? Are there any circumstances in which you would think you should give up your job and put the country before yourself? Tonight, you lie in your Downing Street sty refusing to go, behaving like the very greasy piglet the Daily Mail put on its front page last night. But this is the charge sheet against you as our Prime Minister. You lied to the Queen. You unlawfully suspended Parliament over Brexit. You stood by your closest advisor, Dominic Cummings, when he brazenly broke lockdown laws. You boasted about shaking hands in hospitals as COVID-19 began to ravage Britain. 181,000 people in this country died from the virus on your watch. You spent £112,000 refurbishing your own Downing Street flat and you lied about who paid for it. You refused to sack your friend Owen Patterson after he was caught lobbying for companies he worked for. You lied to Parliament about 18 illegal lockdown-busting parties inside Downing Street. You yourself were fined by the police for attending one of those parties, breaking the very lockdown laws you made. You squirmed your way through a confidence vote after 148 of your own MPs demanded you go. Then you lied about appointing a man accused of sexual assault to serve in your government. And that's your story, isn't it, Boris Johnson? Cheat, creep, cave, repeat. But this little piglet, 
may be finally running out of Greece. Chancellor Rishi Sunak and Health Secretary Sajid Javid began the exodus with their dramatic resignations last night. Boris Johnson's faced more ministerial resignations in the past 24 hours than any prime minister in British political history. A staggering 38 members of Johnson's government quit, and that may be have changed in the last few seconds. It's happening so quickly. But still, Boris hangs on. The opposition leader, Sir Keir Starmer, put the first nails in his political coffin, Johnson's, at Prime Minister's questions this afternoon. Mr Speaker, isn't this the first recorded case of the sinking ships fleeing the rat? As for those who are left, only in office, because no-one else is prepared to debase themselves any longer, the charge of the lightweight brigade. (laughs) Devastating stuff. And Sajid Javid, Boris Johnson's health secretary until last night, lowered the coffin into the ground. I have concluded that the problem starts at the top, and I believe that is not going to change. And that means that it is for those of us in a position who have responsibility to make that change. More and more of Boris Johnson's allies are now dancing on his political grave. One in five members of the government have walked out. Michael Gove is demanding he goes. Grant Shapps, the minister for defending the indefensible when it comes to the prime minister, is demanding he goes. Even Priti Patel tonight, the Home Secretary, one of his most loyal cabinet ministers, is now demanding he goes. Senior MPs like Liam Fox, who have no government post to resign from, are demanding he goes. Some of these MPs now deserting Boris Johnson probably have their eyes on prime places in the new government, perhaps one led by Sunak or Javid. Some of them are facing hostility from the people who elected them, voters, tired of scandal after scandal, lie after lie. All of them agree on one thing. Boris Johnson is now unfit to lead this country, yet still, tonight, he clings on. Desperately, he says it's business as usual. The job of a Prime Minister in difficult circumstances when he's been handed a colossal mandate is to keep going, and that's what I'm going to do. Actually, it's not. It's not, Prime Minister. Actually, the time has come for you to get going. Straight after your smirking bluster at Prime Minister's questions, you faced another pounding at the Liaison Committee. And even as you sat there soaking up that shellacking, a cabal of your own ministers was steaming into Downing Street waiting to tell you it's over. Like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas, you were the only one who didn't know you were about to be whacked. Even Nadim Sahawi, the man that you appointed Chancellor last night, was lurking behind the door, sharpening his political knife just 24 hours after you promoted him. Let's face it, Boris... You're a zombie Prime Minister staggering on as the rotting leader of a living, dead government. You've bandaged the wounds by offering seats at the Cabinet table to anybody prepared to take them. But the British people have had enough. And it's their agonised moans tonight that should really cut through to you. They have had enough. All the polls show they've had enough. Your own MPs have had enough. Your own ministers have had enough. Why haven't you had enough yet? It's over. Tonight, we'll have all the breaking news on Boris Johnson, all the analysis. But there are still, unbelievably, there are still some people who still support him. What's happening in there, Mr. Smart? Well, I've been working in the cabinet office. Prime Minister, I'll have you to take over. I don't want to get run over. I don't want to have... Is he going to resign? Is the Prime Minister going to resign? To have my full support. 
Well, you're looking at uh, number 10 Downing Street. We've got our chopper up there looking down over a pretty grim, dark, funereal scene, isn't it? As it should be, as befits the beginning of the end of the British Prime Minister. The only question tonight is why hasn't he gone? What more will it take to force Boris Johnson out of there? And frankly, if, as some people are suggesting, he has to be dragged kicking and screaming into the street, well, I'm prepared to perform my civic duty and do that task for my country. Talk TV political editor Kate McCann joins me now live. Kate, I mean, one question. Why hasn't he gone? What's he waiting for? How much worse can it get? Well, I can tell you directly, Piers, that sources close to the Prime Minister say that he will fight on. And the reason for that, to answer your question, is that the Prime Minister believes that, first off, he's been given a significant mandate by the country. Essentially, they voted him in in such huge numbers such a short time ago that he feels really the only people who should have the ability to remove him from office are those people, the country. Now, that's why the prospect of an early general election has been on the lips of everyone here in Parliament today. It's why the PM was pushed at the Liaison Committee to rule it out. But there's another reason. The Prime Minister, in those meetings with Cabinet Ministers tonight, they've been in and out of Downing Street all night long, has been warning them, look, if you try and get rid of me now, you face a summer of talk about a leadership election. We will not be focusing on the economy. We will not be focusing on Ukraine. This is the worst possible moment for it. And what you could let in into Downing Street, this is his warning, is a coalition of the Labour Party and the SNP, the Scottish National Party. That's what Boris Johnson is saying to his cabinet ministers tonight, is the reason that he intends to fight on. He is not going anywhere. Now, the problem, Piers, is that a lot of those cabinet ministers, and we'll come to the other group, there's two groups in there tonight, remember, we'll come to the supportive ones in a minute. The group who've gone in there to get rid of him, they've not resigned yet, but they leave that hanging over his head. And there is a realisation, even among the prime minister's allies, that if he intends to stick it out, and if he comes out defiantly and says, no way am I leaving office, that could trigger another range of resignations from top cabinet level jobs. If he gets to that point, it's really difficult to see how he continues. And of course, that's before we even talk about what the 1922 committee might try and do next week after they've held their leadership election on Monday. I mean, look, the bottom line is he's gone. He's toast. He's like the old Monty Python thing. He's kicking up the daisies. He's an ex-prime minister. He just hasn't got the memo yet. What is he waiting for? I don't, I don't get it. It's so humiliating. I mean, is he literally waiting for someone to drag him out? I think he genuinely believes what he's saying to his cabinet colleagues. You know, I saw him today in Prime Minister's Questions. I was watching from the public gallery. He was buoyant. He looked, I have to say, like he was enjoying it. He enjoys being in a difficult situation up against it. This is a man who genuinely believes that what he's doing is the right thing for the country. And even more than that, he thinks that the electorate agree with him. Now, there is no way of testing that. You can do lots of different polls. They'll tell you lots of different things. The only way to test that is a general election. And he believes, again, Sir Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, he's still the man for the job. The second reason, Piers, is that other group of senior cabinet ministers that I mentioned, they're in Downing Street tonight too. People like Nadine Dorries, people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, maybe even... Nadim Zahawi, who are trying to figure out if there's a way to shore him up and then if there's a way to keep the government together, even if Boris Johnson goes. My understanding is he thinks he's got enough support in the cabinet to sustain himself. He believes that he's got enough ministers who will back him, even through this rocky time, even despite what could happen on Monday. So he thinks he can still continue in position. The big question 
is with all of the resignations he's had, and you mentioned more than anyone else, it's, a, it's actually a record. Can he replace those people with credible ministers? That's a question tonight we still don't have an answer to. Kate, do you know, finally, do you know General Custer's last words before he died? No, go on, tell me. They'll never hit us from... <laughs> that was it. He never got to finish the sentence. <laughs> Looking at the enemy <laughs> on the brow of the hill. They'll never hit us from... That was it. Uh, Kate McCann, we'll be back to you later on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Brush up on your custer in the meantime, and I'll be back to you later. Uh, well, I'm joined now in the studio by Talk TV host Julia Hartley Brewer, political columnist Emily Sheffield, and the son's political editor Trevor McCavanagh. Uh, I didn't call you Trevor McDonald there, but that's because you're such a doyen of television news and newspaper news. Um, Trevor Kavanagh, you've covered so many of these crises. It is tempting sometimes to overblow things, but I just look at this situation in totality and think, this is, this is over, isn't it? You can't overblow this. I mean, it's, <clears throat> I think Emily summed it up brilliantly. Uh, Boris's toast, or uh, in the case of his uh, slippery pig, bacon. Mm. Um, and um, I think that it's a matter of hours, not days. How can he hang on when he's, half the cabinet is sitting there waiting for him to arrive to tell him to go? You've got the 1922 committee exec executive ready to change the rules and mm. force another contest. And you, I mean, the, the idea of a general election, as we discussed last night, is for the birds, because the Queen wouldn't have it, I don't think. And but when you've even got Nadim Zahawi, the guy <laughs> he promoted last night to Chancellor, when he apparently is leading the charge of the Cabinet assassins, I mean, surely at some point you wake up and smell the cappuccino, don't you? Well, you have to admire Nadim Zahawi. Yes. I mean, he's, it's like Game of Thrones. He's an absolutely ruthless operator. Yes. He went in and demanded the job rather than let someone else like Liz Truss take it. Took the job, mm. one of the four major heads of uh, major departments, which gives him the qualifications of a uh, head of uh, the Treasury for the job. And then demanded it. So, I mean, now he's, <laughs> he's plotting to get rid of the man who gave it to him. I mean, it is unbelievable. Emily, what do you make of this? I mean, you're a columnist. What's your next column going to say? <laughs> uh, my next column's actually going to talk about who's next going to be Prime Minister. I, I think we just, we're just going to be not talking about Boris Johnson. Well, The Spectator, which is Boris, God. <laughs> Boris's former magazine, The Spectator, tonight has After Boris as a headline yeah. on the front. They've already moved on. No, he's, he's, he's gone. I'm sorry. I think it'll be tonight. And if it's not tonight, it's going to be tomorrow morning. And, and, you know, maybe I'll be proved wrong. But what cabinet has he got to put together? He's got no one to support him. Someone gave a very good tweet earlier today and said, well, it's going to be Dylan the dog, Carrie and... Larry Dee. the cat. And Larry... The, no, because Larry, Larry doesn't do that. Larry right. will be outside <laughs> amusing people, probably cleaning his, you know, bits in front of the cameras, which is what he normally does. There is no serious way forward. And... and I, I, I just don't think it's weird because he's not looking at his legacy. And most prime ministers are quite obsessed with their legacy. I really... Everyone's always said, including me, he will be dragged out and we'll see the scratch marks on that, on that black door. Absolutely. But we really are going yeah. to see the scratch marks. And he is, he is... His reputation is ruined now. Everyone said he's going to make loads of money from speeches. Well, fine. But he goes not as a man defeated by policy mm. or an economic situation... It is his own character well, that right. has been wrecked. So, so think, his legacy is appalling. Right. So, Julia, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Yeah. Is that this is a guy... This is extraordinary speed that he has collapsed here because yeah. he came in with this thumping majority. I remember being at a Christmas party. Trevor, you were there too. December 2019, a few days after the election. 
And they were so celebratory, Boris and his team, at this gigantic victory they'd won. And it seemed like they were almost omnipotent. Yeah. They could do what they liked for the next four years. Here we are two and a half years later... Yeah. And it's collapsed in complete ignominy. Well, they say you know, a week is a long time in politics. Two and a half years is, yeah. is, is a lifetime, isn't it? But this is Mr Unconventional. And everything he's done, whether it's becoming a, a Tory mayor of a Labour city in London twice uh, and then, you know, leaving mm. politics, going back, and, and everything he's done in his personal life as well, it's been unconventional. So what a surprise that this is a man mm. that doesn't obey convention when it happens. I mean, he's making sort of the downfall of Gordon Brown and Theresa May look like, you know, acts of class and perfection, doesn't it? Well, someone said, I hope he can leave with a, with a shred of dignity. I'm like, that ship sailed a long ship, time ago. Yeah. Well, like There's no morning, dignity left here. On my breakfast show this morning, I was talking about how, you know, he was hanging on by his last fingernail. Mm. I think all day he has basically been flying down through the air into, into the Grand Well, the, I thought the mail's the mail's front page last night maybe chuckled because he had the, the greasy piglet headline. I think we've got it here. Uh, he is the greased piglet. And we had a little piglet in here earlier. Very charming little fellow it was too. But the, the point of the greased piglet being that he always manages somehow and, to slip, a, slip away. this is where you need to get into his psyche. Because why does he think he could survive this? Because he's survived everything before. He always thinks he's yeah. going to get round this. Whatever it is, he can talk his way out of it. He appeared at the liaison committee. Two hours of having conversations with MPs and select committee chairs mm. in which he was discussing, yes, I'll organise that meeting. Yes, we need to talk about what's happening on that policy and everybody in that room and everybody watching was sitting there thinking you're not going to be prime minister in a few days trevor i've been told by sources uh good sources that inside downing street it's it's funereal tonight a lot of tears a lot of raised voices a lot of people either trying to console him others telling him he's got to go a lot of fractious stuff going down what are you hearing well, pretty much the same thing, and it reminds me very much of the last days of Margaret Thatcher yeah. when she consulted her cabinet and found that none of them wanted her to stay, apart from Michael Portillo. Um, and uh, this is the same, and I think that it is a bloodletting process. I mean, what happened in the um, liaison committee, as uh, Julia was saying, was an absolute horror to watch. It was uh, like someone being flayed alive. It was surreal. And yet he seemed to be enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, there was a laugh on his face as he was going through, and Prime Minister's questions. Mm. He seemed, as indeed Margaret Thatcher did on her final day... Politics does this. send a lot of people nuts, doesn't yes, it? it? Does. And it looked to me like he's actually... He's gone a bit nuts. I mean, to be enjoying your own death in this way is a bizarre it's what, thing it's to It's what observe. makes them alive. They're addicted to the danger, and he... he he loves all of that. Look, the only thing missing in number 10 right now, two groups of cabinet ministers, one lot saying, stay, Prime Minister, stay, because I, I won't have a job if you go, and the other side saying, mate, it's time to leave. The only thing missing is that wheelie suitcase full of booze, which someone should have got well, from the he white hall loft He can at least have a legal leaving party. <laughs> Let's bring in uh, Talk TV contributor Adam Bolton, uh, who's down in the, uh, the cesspit of Westminster tonight. Adam, so what are you hearing? What's going to happen? Will he go tonight? It seems very unlikely. Uh, he can't be physically forced to do it, and he uh, is telling everyone that he's not going to go, that uh, uh, the choice for the party is either uh, a summer talking about itself or a summer dealing with the crisis. Uh, but, you know, you've been talking a lot about his demeanour and the fact that he seems to be enjoying this. And I think he is, and that is because uh, Boris Johnson is a supreme narcissist. His whole career has not been about doing anything. It's being about Boris Johnson being the centre of attention. And once again, uh, Boris Johnson is absolutely the centre of the at attention. So I think if you were a betting person now, it would be that 
the parliamentary party is going to have to winkle out Boris Johnson. We know that uh, the chairman of the 1922, Sir Graham Brady, has been in Downing Street as well. Uh, and probably they are going to have to go through uh, the vote uh, of their membership, followed by a vote to change the rules, followed by uh, a confidence vote, which, on the basis of what we've heard from Conservative what happens? MPs today, All right, Adam, he would lose. What yeah. happens if... Tomorrow morning, Gove resigns, Pretty Patel resigns, Grant Chaps resigns because they've had the conversation, you've got to go, we're going to resign. He doesn't go and they all resign. You can't have a, a government with no cabinet. Well, presumably Nadim Zahawi would resign as well, so he might get into the Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> yeah, for, uh, shortest uh, chancellor uh, short, of all time. Chancellor. But, but theoretically... There is nothing constitutional to say that uh, the Prime Minister could say, uh, well, I'm going to go on, I still believe I can command the confidence of my party and I'm going to go on until that vote uh, takes place. I mean, that's the possibility. And what's beginning to worry people now is that if we do get into the period of waiting for the 1922 committee uh, to hold its uh, uh, vote of confidence, uh, that in the meantime, he could say, uh, oh, by the way, I think I'll beetle off to see the Queen and see if we can have a general election, because, uh, as he always keeps saying, uh, he got this massive mandate in uh, the uh, 2019 election. The point is, this is not... Well, we all know this now, don't we? This is not a politician who plays by the rules. Right. It's all about him. Although, it would, be, it would be truly ironic if the Queen, as I think she did with Margaret Thatcher, she gave a kind of suggestion, your time's up, if she was to be the one that pulled the trigger on Boris, maybe refusing to let him have a snap election and said, I think it's time you went. You know, I remember, I think the most damaging image of his entire premiership, frankly, was the Queen on her own in the church at Prince Philip's funeral and the discovery later that there were two illicit Downing Street parties going on till the early hours the night before. I think that image has come back to haunt him again and again with the British public. It would be ironic and perhaps very fitting if it was Her Majesty who called time on Boris Johnson. Adam, uh, stay there. We'll be back with you later on the show. We're extended two-hour edition of Piers Morgan Ascent tonight. A lot of drama again tonight. Will Boris go? Will he try and hang on? Will there be more resignations tonight? We're seeing a lot of the very big beasts in the cabinet jungle turn on him, even in the last few minutes. Pretty Patel, who would have thought it? She's the, is she, the Judas Iscariot of the operation. We'll come back with this after the break. Well, welcome back. Another dramatic night in British politics. Will Boris Johnson hang on, or could he go as early as tonight as British Prime Minister? Well, the SNP's Westminster leader, Ian Blackford, joins me now from the very heart of Westminster. He's in central lobby there. Mr Blackford, one question. Uh, is Boris Johnson going to remain Prime Minister more than a few hours? That remains to be seen, Piers. He should have gone by now. And the fact that so many ministers have gone today, the fact that so many of his cabinet have gone in and told him to go, he needs to do the decent thing. He can't cling on here. In the end, he will be forced out. The 1922 committee, I know, will do its job. 
But where is the self-respect and the dignity of a Prime Minister that's lost the confidence of the House of Commons, lost the confidence of his own MPs? There is no dignity to this. Uh, he really ought to do the decent thing, or ultimately he's going to be dragged out the place screaming and screaming and kicking. It's not a it's not an edifying sight to say the least. Well, what do you make of this extraordinary situation when Nadim Zahawi is promoted for, uh, to Chancellor last night and now appears to be leading the cabinet coup against the Prime Minister? I think there's so many things that have gone on over the last few years, Piers, that we, that we wouldn't have anticipated that you think, how on earth did that happen? And this is just the latest in that. But, you know, if these ministers don't have confidence in Boris Johnson, they've got a duty to resign. They shouldn't be sitting around that cabinet table. They need to make sure that the pressure is up by leaving office. This is a, a prime minister that no longer can fill the ministerial seats that he has. The government is having to pull bill committees tomorrow because they haven't got ministers to do them. It's a government that's no longer functioning. A phrase I used at Prime Minister's questions, he might be in office, but he's not in power. This has to be brought to an early end. We're in the middle of a crisis. We've got the cost of living crisis. We've got the war in Ukraine. And I regret that we weren't talking about these things today. We should have been, because this is all about Boris. He's the problem. He needs to go. And he needs to show that he can actually be a big man and recognise for him that the game is up, his time is up. What if, he, what if he just simply refuses to go? What if he says, no, sorry, and if you do try and well, change the rules to get rid of me, I'm not going to... What if he pulls a Donald Trump? I'm just not going to accept it, sorry. Then what, well, then what do we do? Well, 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 we know, well, we know this is the man that doesn't play by the rules, and let's not forget that this is a man that prorogued Parliament. He shut down Parliament. He was found guilty in the highest court of the land. Mm. So we know that he is prepared to crash the bus. We know he's prepared to do anything. You know, first and foremost, I think Tory MPs have got to do their job, and I believe that they will do so. But if, if that doesn't prove to be successful, even if he loses a, a vote of no confidence and he tries to sit in in 10 Downing Street, then Parliament's got to come together and place a motion of no confidence in the Prime Minister and do it that way. He can't be allowed to stay. This is We're besmirching our democracy with all the things that are going on. Who would have thought that we'd be having these conversations, Piers? It can't be allowed to continue. Well, I've had friends in America, I have to say today, emailing me going, what the hell is going on with your country? Right, what's happening? It's like, it looks like total chaos. And if an American's saying that right now, given the state of the United States, you know, you know we've got a problem. Uh, Ian Bradford, thank you very much indeed for well, joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, I'm joined now by former aide to Boris Johnson, Lord Jonathan Marland, and former Conservative MP Rory Stewart. Uh, Lord Marland, Lord Marland, if we go to Lord Marland first, I think, if he's there. I'm here. Lord Marlon, I'm sorry, we're just trying to get you up on, uh, on camera. I think we've got you coming now. We have. Lord Marlon, you've always been a, a stoic defender of Boris Johnson, <laughs> but even some of his really stoic defenders, like Priti yeah. Patel, have now turned on him. Uh, do you still offer your full support to Boris Johnson to stay as Prime Minister? Well, the first thing I couldn't work out was whether you thought he should go or not, Piers. You weren't very clear on that matter. I don't like to sit on the fence, Lord Marland. You <laughs> exactly. know me. I'm a straight talker. Um, I, 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 felt he I, I, was... I felt he should have gone for a long time. And I think I, the word I take no pleasure, by the way. The well, word look. uncensored is brilliant. But, um, <laughs> um, look, I, I suspect what's going on is that Graham Brady is talking through the semantics. Um, the, issue, the real issue here, is, as your expert panel will attest, uh, the Parliament has two more weeks to just effectively two more weeks to go. How do they coalesce around a group of people who are, all want to be leaders of the party? So it's all very well 
uh, Boris resigns, there will then be five leadership campaigns. How can they select a leader when Parliament isn't sitting uh, until September? So there's that period of, you know, a lame duck prime minister in actually an incredibly awkward time uh, running the country uh, with all these issues going on. So I suspect they'll be talking about that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it will really be the semantics. You, you seem to be um, either suffering from uh, poor hearing, Lord Marlon, or you didn't hear my question, or you didn't want to hear my question, which was simply... Oh, sorry, you... I, 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 I obviously didn't hear your question. Well, let me, let me say it a little <laughs> slower and more clearly for you. Does the Prime Minister still hold your full support to stay as Prime Minister? Well, it's a kind I'm of yes or no thing, really. It's not a yes or no answer, I'm afraid, from Well, it me, is. The other stays or he no, doesn't. No, no, it's not a yes or no. The answer is I'm irrelevant to this particular uh, part of the equation because I am not an MP. I wouldn't have let it get to this stage at all as I was lucky enough to appear on your programme before and say so. Uh, this whole thing is a complete shambles. It should never have happened. It will uh, cost the uh, Conservative Party dear this... Uh, brutal bloodletting, and uh, it should never have got to this point. And your previous uh, commentator, Ian Blackford, could end up in a, uh, a government with the Lib Dems and Labour. And that, of course, is a threat to the Conservative Party and to those, pe those ministers and MPs who are coming in to um, tell him to go. Okay, so uh, they've got to balance that. All right, Lord Mott, I'm going to try one more time. Uh, I'm going to well, put it down to your hearing answer. issues. You're, you're, you're too clever for I'm me, just, Piers. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm, a, I'm not. I'm, I'm, going I'm to be, so irrelevant to this equation. I just simply asked you, you know. a very straightforward question. As one of Boris Johnson's most vocal and loyal supporters, is it time for those words, et tu, Lord Marland Brute? <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, look, I, I, th I, I would, don't, didn't want it to get to this point. It's entirely up to him whether he goes. He's not a complete fool, as you've tried to... Uh, point out. He knows the reality and I, I'm sure uh, he will be considering his position overnight and will determine it tomorrow. So and you think you should is... go? <laughs> good one, Piers. Thank you very much indeed. Lord Marland, it's, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I'd you're, not you're a smart guy. To be honest. I'm not a stupid person. I'm reading the, the so language here. You are not here. a stupid person. No one's ever said that. I, just for some reason, you're not prepared to actually say you don't think you should carry on, are you? Because you're, you're loyal, I get that. But your silence loyal, in not saying uh, you want him to is golden. <laughs> first and foremost, I'm a loyal Conservative. I don't want to see this happen. I don't like seeing the Conservative Party tear itself apart. A lot of people are behaving extremely badly and it, we will, it, it will cost us. The Who British do you think is behaving badly? Like it. They didn't like it with Margaret Thatcher. It took us 16 years to recover. The first person who won an election after 16 years was Boris Johnson. And who is, who is, I mean, look, forgive me for a moment, but yeah. I would argue that Boris Johnson has behaved more badly than anybody else. Uh, yeah. Who do you think has been behaving badly in all this? Well, I, 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 I never believe that people should go to the press and the media and air their dirty uh, linen. If I have a, an issue with... Uh, David Cameron or Theresa May or whoever, I will go and talk to them behind closed doors and make my position clear. Can you and give I'm me a few see... names of these traitors that you're talking about? Well, you, you've seen uh, all the letters that have come out, all the public grandstanding that's happened over the so last few weeks. So Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid and all these people there, to your mind, they, this is wrong, they shouldn't be doing it. 
I think they should be telling Boris behind closed doors that this that his position is no longer tenable, and uh, he should listen to them uh, and consider his position. Um, there, I think what has been done is is not right. It is not good for the Conservative Party, and the British public will not forgive us. And I'm sure experts like Mr. Kavanagh and others who have seen much more of this than I have will attest to that. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I've tried hard. I'm going to leave it there, Lord no, Marlon. You, I'm not you, going to keep battering you. Are a brilliant, you are a brilliant man, and I love your programme, and I'm so grateful for you having me on it. Well, you're exactly what the show is all about, uncensored, right to the point where you wouldn't give me a straight answer about <laughs> Boris Johnson. But I love having you on as a guest. Lord Marlon, thank you very, very much, much for joining very me. Very kind of you for having me on. Thanks so much. <laughs> all the best. Well, we're now joined by Bye. former Conservative MP Rory Stewart. No fan of Boris Johnson. Rory Stewart, thank you for joining me. Um, my mother thinks you should be the next Prime Minister, for what it's worth. That may be the kiss of death or the kiss of she's, life for your political fortunes, but she does represent Middle England in a way, lives down in... East Sussex, and, you know, mothers tend to know these things, Rory Stewart. So, A, do you want to be uh, considered to run the Conservative Party? And secondly, what do you make of what's going on tonight with Boris Johnson? Well, I, th I think practically, Piers, as you know, I'm, I'm being thrown out of the Conservative Party by Boris Johnson. I, I stood against him over the no-deal Brexit and the prorogation. But all bets are off now, aren't they? I mean, everything's changing very fast. You could be brought back in a heartbeat, and if you weren't brought uh, back in a heartbeat, many people would absolutely. think you should be running I, for leader. I would be... I, that's very kind, Piers. I'd be honoured to serve the country in some way. I don't think I can run for leader at the moment. I'm not a member of the Conservative Party. I'm not an MP. But if a sensible, moderate party reformed itself without Boris Johnson, I'd be delighted to help and serve in any way I could. But I think the more practical thing at the moment, of course, is your big question is, when is this guy going to go? It's extraordinary. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, over the last few months, there have been any number of things which any normal prime minister would take as the time to go. And he somehow clung on, clung on through every kind of scandal, shame, the KGB, the wallpaper, the prorogation of parliament. And now he's losing ministers at a rate that literally, historically, nobody has ever lost this number of ministers in 24 hours. And he still seems to be trying to hang on. Well, it is a completely ridiculous situation and embarrassing for the country and all these things. You've been very eloquent, Rory, about the state of the Conservative Party and particularly about the need to restore integrity and honour and decency and the old-fashioned values that I think many Conservatives are crying out for right now. If it's not going to be you by becoming an MP again and getting fast-tracked, as some people would undoubtedly like, who do you think represents the, the values that we've lost under Boris Johnson, which we could regain under a new Conservative leader? Who is that person? I, th I think there are people there. I, I, For example, I admire Sajid Javid. He was somebody who I felt, for the nine, ten years I worked with him in Parliament, was a very decent guy. Nadim Zahawi, I'm surprised that he accepted the role of Chancellor, but he actually is somebody who's popular with his civil servants. He's a decent man. I, I travelled with him. I did a lot of work with him. In the, I mean, in I like Nadim Zahawi, but no, like no, no, I don't want to jump in here, but, I mean, Nadim Zahawi in the last 24 hours has behaved like something out of Game of Thrones. Um, I mean, he's, you know, he's, pretty, he's, taken, he's taken a job as Chancellor... A massive promotion. He's gone on all the airwaves this morning pumping up Boris Johnson, the government, everything else. And then a few hours later, he's leading the cabinet assassination mob, reportedly. It's, it's pretty extraordinary. The other thing is that, the other thing is that, as you know, I think you're about to have on your show my, my fellow podcast presenter, Alistair Campbell, who seems to have got into 
not into Harvey's head because one of the things you will have noticed this morning is that I he found keeps that totally bizarre. It was so weird, but Nadim Zahar, we kept <laughs> talking about Alistair Campbell. Alistair Campbell's ego will have been exploding, but the idea this has all been driven by yeah, Alistair well... Campbell is for the <laughs> birds. When Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid <laughs> resigned from the two top jobs in the government, that's not Alistair Campbell's fault. It... Much as I'd like it no, to be. It's extraordinary. And of course, it's. There are many, many other things too. There's the Tiverton by-election loss, which uh, was Rory, if you just don't, if you could hang on one second, we got some breaking news, which we want to get your reaction to. Brandon Lewis, sure, Northern sure, Ireland sure, Secretary, sure. has now resigned. So, as I suggested a little earlier in the programme, it may be that tough conversations are going on with Boris Johnson, and they're not getting some of these cabinet ministers the answers they want, and they are now publicly resigning and withdrawing their public support for Boris Johnson. This could, this could be again a flurry tonight of more cabinet resignations. You know, and again, I just simply i am curious. I mean, you're a political animal. At what point does Boris Johnson look in the mirror and go, the game's up? Well, I think first thing is that's a very important bit of breaking news because he kept his cabinet together overnight after Rishi Sunak left, after Sajid Javid left, and presumably all those people, including Brandon Lewis, made a sort of deal with him to stay in the cabinet. The fact that he's now losing them 24 hours later is very, very dramatic. That shows that what was a drip, drip of resignations, some of them quite junior this morning, is going to turn again into a tidal wave as these cabinet ministers begin to leave. And look, Piers, it's impossible for him now to hang on because he's not going to be able to replace them fast enough. I think he's lost almost 40 of his ministers now and he's losing them as fast as he can put them in again. Yeah. And I don't think he can make it. Ultimately, I mean, the, the real answer to your question is, in terms of the brutal politics, is that if he tries to hang on any longer, Conservative MPs will very reluctantly have to vote with Labour and Lib Dem MPs in the House of Commons in a vote of no confidence yeah. against the Prime Minister to take him out. Yeah, it's an extraordinary situation. Uh, Rory Street, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, we are watching a special two-hour edition of the show. Uh, stay with us. Breaking news, Brandon Lewis, Northern Ireland Secretary, has just resigned. We're expecting probably more resignations while we're on air. Maybe we're going to get the big one. Maybe Boris Johnson is watching this show. And if you are Prime Minister, you may want to look in the mirror and just ask yourself one question. Why am I still looking in this mirror? We'll be back with our panel after the break. Well, I'm joined now uh, back in my studio by the Talk TV host, Julia Hartley-Brewer, political columnist Emily Sheffield, the Sun's political columnist Trevor Kavanagh. So we broke that dramatic breaking news before the break that Brandon Lewis, Northern Ireland secretary, had, <laughs> had resigned because the BBC told us he'd resigned. The BBC's now deleted the tweet telling us he's resigned and we're told by sources close to Brandon Lewis he hasn't resigned yet. However... He is on his way to see the Prime Minister. So by the time I even finish this retraction of the BBC's mistake, and to make it clear, it was their fault, not ours, by the time I finish saying this, he might have resigned. <laughs> so we're going to keep on it. One person who has resigned is a PPS called Jacob Young, who significantly was working for Michael Gove. What does that mean? Does that mean Govey's on manoeuvres? We're going to find out as the night goes on. A lot happening... And as we can tell, it's a very febrile atmosphere and we've got to be sure we know exactly what is happening, which means we won't be trusting the BBC Twitter account in the next few minutes. Um, but Brandon Lewis, he's, something's going on with him. So we'll find out. We'll keep you in touch with that. 
when we get there. Trevor, I want to get your reaction. We did three interesting interviews there. Ian Blackford, obviously, full on, but making some good points about this is a ridiculous situation. I think we probably all agree with that. You then had Lord Marland, who would not commit anymore to fulsome support for the Prime Minister, which I think was quite significant, given how much he normally does. And Rory Stewart basically pushing Sajid Javid and offering a future for the party. What did you make of it all? Well, I thought that your question to Lord Marland was actually answered with a silent yes. Yeah. Uh, he is no longer supporting Boris yes. for the Premiership. Um, I think that uh, Rory is misguided in thinking that a Remainer, someone who actually voted Remain, even though he was probably more of a Brexiteer than he would admit at the time, I don't think that the party will back... See, that's really interesting, because there is going to be a choice coming up. Assuming Boris does eventually go, they're going to have an election contest for a new leader, and mm. it's probably going to come down, I suspect, you'll probably have someone on the Remain side and someone on the Brexit side. Is it feasible that a Remainer could come through and take over the party? There'll be two names put on the ticket to go to the grassroots. The, uh, the grassroots will not support a Remainer. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, they will go for a Brexiteer no matter what. And that's one of the dividing lines of British politics, and it will remain the dividing line right through to the next general election. Trevor, could I, could I ask... Someone like Liz Truss was a Remainer. A lot of the now loud, shouting Brexit supporters were Remainers. Liz Truss seems quite popular with the grassroots. I, I, but I feel with people like Liz Truss, because they were Remainers, then they turned to Brexit that they, sort of, rather like Boris, sort of shout angrily about Brexit all the time. But I feel someone who was originally a Brexiteer, someone like Rishi Sunak, who can say, look, I'm an original Brexit. He was one of the first people to say to David Cameron, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not staying mm. with you. Who do you think the grassroots will go for? Like a sort of pretend, what I would call a sort of pretend Brexit person, or someone who was really there from the beginning, or you think they won't, they won't care? Well, I think, to be fair to Liz Truss, I think she's actually changed her position and quite convincingly. Mm. Whether she's the sort of person that they will go for as a Prime Minister is another question. Mm. There's a big Isn't question... Isn't she of... Maggie Light, Liz I Truss? Think, well, very light. That's Extremely true. light. Mm. I think so. She says what she thinks will get her the yeah. votes. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's much conviction there, honestly. Who would your money be on, Trevor? Your, your nose is normally pretty plugged into these things. Well, I think that Rishi Sunak, despite everything, yeah, I agree. is still the man. Yeah, I agree. And I think that we are into a financial crisis which is going to be much more profound and long-lasting than anyone has yet quite grasped. Yes. And you need someone who actually knows the way around the system. Yes. I think that there are many things about uh, Rishi that were pushed off course by Boris. Had he been allowed to be the Chancellor he wanted to be... Mm. We wouldn't be in quite the position we are. Going to take a short break. When we come back, Julia, I'll come to you after the break and get your assessment of this. It's a really interesting conundrum for the party. Once and assuming he does, Boris Johnson goes. Watching a special two-hour edition of Piers Morgan Uncensored. Boris Johnson, as I say this, still Prime Minister. He may not be by the time we come back after the break. So stay with us for a manic night. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Piers Morgan on Sensitive, looking at number 10 Downing Street, where there is a deafening silence and lack of movement. Boris Johnson, the greasy piglet of British politics, refusing to go, slipping away as best he can from the ever-increasingly large net from his own party and his own cabinet. Pretty Patel, in the last two hours, has now apparently turned on him too. So even his most loyal and devoted ministers are now saying enough is enough. Julia Hartley Brewer, um, Andrew Neil's just tweeted that he doesn't think Boris Johnson's going to voluntarily go at all. No. The 1922 committee, he thinks, will meet next week. They'll change the rules. There'll be a new vote of confidence in Boris. He will lose it massively, yep. and then everyone can get on with the future. Sure. What do you think of that? Well, that assumes that he goes um, when he has a vote of no confidence against him, as I think he inevitably will, because he's not going to fall on his sword. And there's been lots of debate today about whether or not he mm. would obey that we talked about earlier, the conventions. Would he actually then leave, or would he go to the Queen? Would he try and ask for uh, yeah. Parliament to, to be uh, you know, ended and, and, and call a general election? As you say, very likely the Queen would say, uh, no, someone else can, can, uh, can actually form a government and, and that mm. would be more viable. But this is the thing. There is no way to predict right now, because he doesn't obey the conventions. Realistically, if he... I mean, if he had any sense, he would be going now. We talked earlier about his legacy. Mm. Um, but this is the crucial thing. If he genuinely believes he's got more support than he thinks, and he's, as he talked about at the Liaison Committee, this mandate for 14 million yeah. people who voted for him. Now, mm. ignoring the fact we don't have a presidential system, he doesn't have a mandate individually. I think his mandate is yep. eroding but literally it, by the second. By, by the second, indeed. Yeah. We, see, we see that YouGov snap poll last night, 54% yeah. of Tory 2019 voters, including those Red Wall Lake yeah. voters who went over, they have turned on him now. I'm joined uh, now by political commentator and historian Sir Anthony Selden, who's very kindly broken off, I think, from attending the theatre tonight. So thank you, Anthony. I appreciate this sacrifice for your country. Um, just wanted to ask you, if, if Boris... You've written fantastic books about British prime ministers. If Boris Johnson was to fall on his sword, which seems, well, either he'll be made to fall on it or he'll do it voluntarily, where would he rank in the pantheon of British prime ministers? Well, uh, Piers... Uh... Great prime ministers are often made by great events. So you look at the figures like Churchill or Lloyd George or Thatcher during the uh, end of the Cold War. They're all there, are uh, the top tier, at times a real national consequence. And, and Boris Johnson, one has to say, uh, the Ukraine war could be still uh, the third 
uh, world war, the time of uh, Brexit and, and getting Brexit done, the coronavirus, the worst uh, epidemic for, in this country for 100 years, getting a landslide election victory. I mean, these are historic things, but there's a big but coming there, Piers. Uh, he, uh, those are historic things, but there's uh, quite a big downside to all of those uh, equally. So it's hard to place him. Um, and I certainly think he's not adding uh, one inch to his uh, standing or reputation by staying on as he is at the moment. When Very you, peculiar. Putting your historian hat on, has he got any chance of coming through this and coming out the other end and remaining Prime Minister? Uh, he has as much chance as I have of Gareth Southgate picking me for Cato, which, by the way, is not insignificant. <laughs> and that's no doubt what Boris Johnson... Thanks. I've actually, uh, but I, I've he, seen the impact you've had on uh, school footballers. My son had the joy of being taught by uh, you, and you're quite a nifty footballer, actually. So, yeah, well, well, maybe well, sniffing well, around thanks. you. Uh, th 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 thanks. So uh, there is a, there is a chance. I'm certainly <laughs> waiting. Uh, I would actually for the say call, there's more but, chance you know, for him. Even I think less. there's more chance <laughs> of you less. being picked for England than there is a Boris surviving, actually. Absolutely, it's just simply not the way that the system works. You cannot carry on as Prime Minister. You are there by consent. You need the support of your MPs and you need to be able to form a government. You need to be able to have enough people to get the jobs done. I mean, the Prime Minister doesn't do the stuff. Uh, the Prime Minister merely uh, appoints uh, the team. At the moment, he's, um, he's running the risk of being Gareth Southgate, but only able to turn out three or four people on the pitch rather than 11 because uh, they've all gone off or they refuse to serve him. So, uh, I'll tell you who I think. I'll tell you, I, I actually tweeted earlier, it was a very popular tweet, who I thought should replace Boris Johnson was Rob Key, who now runs England cricket, who's made two decisions one to appoint Ben Stokes as captain of the test team, one to appoint Brendan McCullum as the coach, and we've now turned into the greatest world-beating, aggressive, passionate, fantastic test side in the history of England cricket and made us all feel great. If Rob Key can do that with just two decisions, I, I think put him in number 10. Well, I, I think he has to be a, a definite uh, contender. There are <laughs> one or two problems that he's not a Conservative, mind you. Uh, so uh, quite a North few Boris uh, Johnson. who are not Conservatives <laughs> in, in that government, absolutely. Sure, Anthony, I've got to leave it there. I know you've got a second half to get back to. Thank you for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. Many thanks. Well, it's been a busy day. We'll be back after the break for another hour of breaking news, dramatic news going on tonight. Lots of resignations coming in. Will it include Boris Johnson? We'll have all the reaction and expert analysis after the break. Well, good evening. It's bang on nine o'clock. You're looking at uh, Parliament, which is a hotbed of feverish gossip, intrigue, betrayal, backstabbing. It's like a Shakespearean play down there tonight. But as I speak, Boris Johnson remains British Prime Minister. He's not going anywhere. He's making it clear he doesn't want to go anywhere. And the question is, can his own party force him out? Is someone going to have to physically go in there and drag him out? If so, do, do I need to volunteer? <laughs> Do my British civic duty. Uh, this just about sums up where we are, I think. Uh, this is Stephen Swinford from The Times. He just tweeted, extraordinary. Nadim Zahawi today told Boris Johnson he should resign. Tomorrow, he's agreed to launch a new economic plan alongside 
Boris Johnson in a bid to shore up Johnson's leadership. This is according to Sky News. Today, said Mr Swinford, is bewildering by any metric. Well, it certainly is. Uh, as is the fact that last night, Nadim Zahavi was made Chancellor and only 20-odd hours later, he was leading the cavalry of assassins to whack Boris inside number 10. Quite extraordinary scenes going on. I'm joined now in the studio by Talk TV contributor Esther Krakow, uh, political commentator Ava Santina and The Sun's political columnist Trevor Kavanagh. Well, uh, Ava, your thoughts? On the Nadine Zahawi plan, that is entirely expected. I think I was reading yesterday that uh, yesterday morning's broadcast round was one of the most expensive in history. <laughs> Something like Nadim Zahawi pledged around £21 billion in tax right. cuts to the public, which is obscene. And this is all to save Boris Johnson. Now, this cost-of-living plan, whatever they're going to come out with tomorrow, great, that's fantastic. But why do the public only get a little, you know, a little slice of the pie when Boris is about to get ousted? Like, right. why isn't this help consistent? Surely the public can see how transparent Esther, are we just getting played here? I mean, it's Boris yeah. basically said to Nadim Zahabi, look, I know you don't want me to be Prime Minister, but I, right now, you can make yourself look good if you go out and do all these tax cuts and make yourself look like Father Christmas of the British public. And Nadim's like, you know what? That actually could play quite well for me. And if Boris does then have to go, the public think I'm Father Christmas. I mean, is that as simple as I, what's I, going on? I think... I think Nadim was very... Because I thought he had a brain aneurysm yesterday when he accepted the role, because Boris's IKEA cabinet can't stand for very long. But I think his plan was to at least be Chancellor through the summer, right? Because at least he knows that if he accepts this role, he's going to be in it for the next two to three months so he can kind of show up some public support. But I, 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 I don't understand Boris's strategy in the sense that there's nowhere to go but down from here. Really, he's in a pit... He needs, he needs to... I, I don't understand his strategy here. I'm actually confused. I mean, when I saw his, um, you know, his, his hearing at the 1922 committee, he, was, he actually seemed a bit emotional. He actually used the word duty. And I don't think Boris and the word duty should ever be used in the same sentence. Well, we are in a bizarre situation, Trevor, aren't we, where Boris Johnson, by common consent, has had a good war, as they call it, you know, with Ukraine. He's shown leadership. He's done the right thing, I think. He's, he's put, you know, Britain forward pretty well first in the, off the traps to help... Uh, President Zelensky loves him, talks him up all the time. Um, you know, as he did well with, for example, the COVID vaccine programme. You know, he's had moments through this tenure where you look at him and think, well, that's leadership and well done. The problem is all the other stuff. Well, this is why he's not going. He believes that he's done the right things and that uh, even the things he's done terribly wrong weren't actually wrong at all. They were just somebody else's mistakes or he was misinterpreted. So uh, this is his legacy. His legacy will be to be the most notorious ex-Prime Minister in history. Really? You think so? Well, he is. I mean, he is ex almost, isn't he? Yeah. And the fact is that he will be remembered for this and this alone. Well, not alone because of Brexit, because of uh, vaccines and because of uh, Ukraine. But the most enduring memory of Boris Johnson will be the way he left office. Mm. But you can tell he's actually quite angry because he believes he's gotten the Tories to this point. He won them yeah. that massive majority. Mm. And he, he genuinely doesn't feel like there's a solid enough reason for him to leave. He feels like he, he still has this British like, public mandate to be in office and to enact his plan. Well, technically he does, in the sense that he remains an elected prime minister with a massive exactly. majority. The problem he's got is his own party is turning on him. Yeah. Uh, I'm joined now by Shadow Justice Secretary Steve Reid, uh, who's with me now. Um, Steve Reid, if I was a member of the Labour front bench right now, I'd be thinking, keep Boris Johnson there as long as possible. Uh, every day he stays in power is a good day for Labour, isn't it? Why are you all so keen to get rid of him? Well, we have to put the interests of the country first, I think. And right now, we've got a man who appears to be 
delusional and desperate, squatting a few hundred yards down the road from here in number 10 Downing Street, and he's allowed the, uh, the mechanics of government to freeze up entirely. We now have government departments like the Education Department that have no ministers. No one is there taking decisions anymore. This, this is affecting the country, and it needs to be got out as soon as possible. You know, the, the Tories have got collectively a record that we are prepared to go and face them on and beat them on, I think, in a general election. But right now, the imperative has got to be to get out a disgraced and debased Prime Minister for Number 10 Downing Street so we can get this country moving uh, again. What happens if Boris Johnson goes and then next week Durham police come back and fine Sakir Starmer over beer and Pizzagate? What happens then? Well, yeah, what, what you're talking about there is a very clear distinction between the approach of Keir Starmer's Labour Party and Boris Johnson's Conservatives. Because Keir has said, and rightly in my view, that if he was issued with a fixed penalty notice for breaking the lockdown rules, he would do the right thing and resign. Boris Johnson has had that fine already, and he squatted there in power because he believes he's above the law. He's an extremely entitled, privileged human being who believes that the laws are for the little people, all of the rest of us. And that's all of a piece with what he was doing. It was, he didn't just break the lockdown rules once. He was having regular weekly parties with suitcases of booze being wheeled in to 10 Downing Street while families were saying goodbye to their loved ones. Well, that is, on that Zoom is true, but actually, he was. That is funerals. true. But as, as we talk, he's only been fined for one of those offences. And if Sakir Starmer was fined for one offence, they would actually be 1-1. One, one. In other words, in terms of if the police fining them for breaking lockdown rules, they would be in exactly the same position. And Keir Starmer's already said he would go. You could even lose your number two as well, Angela Rayner. I mean, my point being, you know, as a, as a British citizen watching this chaos and thinking, my God, in the space of a week, we could lose the Prime Minister, leader of the opposition, the deputy leader of the opposition. Where are we going to be going for leadership? Well, well, Keir hasn't been found yet, hasn't been found guilty of breaking any, uh, any rules at all. And the, the big difference here is we had the Sue Gray report, didn't we? And what that found was a failure of leadership in allowing a culture of rule-breaking to be, to be put in place in, town, in 10 Downing Street. There were more fixed penalty notices issued in Downing Street behind me than in any other street anywhere else in the United Kingdom. And yet that is the place that made the rules that said you cannot go and see your loved Can ones when, one they question are, about, about uh, when they are dying. One question about Keir Starmer. I interviewed him for my life story show um, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I actually, sure. I liked him. He's a likeable person with a, a, quite a moving backstory. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's not been handed any silver spoon stuff in his life. He's a self-made man. Uh, and impressive to get to the top of several professions now. Uh, one thing is clear, though. He hasn't galvanised the British public in any way at all. You know, I thought he was pretty good in PMQ today. He's a good zingers and stuff. But he's got to find a way, hasn't he? If there's this vacuum with the Conservative Party... This should be the greatest time to ever be a Labour leader. And yet the polls are not reflecting that yet. Why? Well, he was great in PMQs today. And actually, if you look at the polls, the one I saw last night got Labour 12 points ahead, which is enough to get a majority. Polls don't actually matter. The only one that matters is when people vote. And to be honest, with the lockdown and everything we've gone through, people have not been focused on party politics. They wanted the country to pull together to get us through uh, that mess. They certainly didn't want a Prime Minister breaking the rules the rest of us were obeying to try and look out for each other. But I believe, I know Keir really well, I backed him for, for Labour leader. He is a man of integrity and principle and a massive contrast to the moral void that we've had uh, as Prime Minister under Boris Johnson for these, for these last few years. Now, 
I hope Boris Johnson will be gone and we'll have a different Conservative leader to face at the next general election. But whoever it is has got around their neck the millstone of their economic record, the highest rates of personal taxation for 50 years, highest uh, rates of inflation for 30 years, the worst decade for wage growth um, uh, since the Great Depression in the 1930s. And now we've got the lowest rates of growth of any of the 20 biggest economies on the planet, except for Russia, which is subject to major international sanctions. I mean, it's certainly... That applies to all of them, not just Boris Johnson. No, no, I agree. And look, let's be honest, whoever takes over, if Boris Johnson goes, is going to be handed one of the biggest hospital passes in political history. It may be a very poison chalice for anyone that takes over. Uh, thank you very much, Steve Reid. I appreciate it. Just My pleasure. Some, Great some, to be on your show. Some extraordinary tweets here from uh, Anna Mikhailova from The Man on Sunday. Two sources say Boris Johnson's game is now to plan a reshuffle now, and he's apparently told allies he's calling Graham Brady's bluff. Tory MPs say they're totally baffled by the bunker mentality. One tells me, I wish he'd just take the cyanide. So, <laughs> very cheerful stuff yeah. down in Westminster. Every time we think they couldn't plummet even lower, down they plummet. Uh, you're watching a special two-hour edition of the show as Boris Johnson fights to stay in number 10. More dramatic tweets and nothing else. More cyanide after the break. Well, welcome back. Uh, you're watching Live Pictures. There he is, Brandon Lewis, the man the BBC said had resigned and then the BBC deleted that claim. Apparently he hasn't resigned, but he's gone in and he may resign, or maybe he won't resign. Uh, Trevor, fascinating stuff. So number 10 is briefing this tonight. I'm going to read it in full to get your reaction. The number 10 source, there is no lecture outside number 10 tonight. The PM fights on. There will be a couple of appointments tonight, but it's not true that a procession of cabinet ministers have told him to go. You will find out some may have been beyond redemption, but he's been spelling out to them that 14 million people voted for him. And if the party wants to deprive him of doing that job, they have to take that mandate off them. He's called their bluff. Graham Brady said there's a 1922 election on Monday, new 1922 committee by Tuesday. That committee could decide to change the rules. Momentum today is not going to dislodge him. As he explained to cabinet ministers tonight, the chance is not the, the chance is not Boris or no Boris. Choice, I'm sorry. The choice is not Boris or no Boris. The choice is giving him a new change with a fresh chancellor and a new programme that Rishi was not prepared to do. Tax cuts or spend months ripping each other apart to elect a leader without a mandate. Coalition of chaos, Labour who will break up Britain. That's the real choice. It's time the party gets real with that. Your reaction? You're describing a brand new Boris Johnson. I've never, <laughs> I've never known him to be so decisive or as strategic. <laughs> Could it work? Uh, I doubt it, but it's a very interesting, and we're going to be absolutely transfixed by this for days and weeks to yeah, come. Yeah, we are. Well, I'm joined now by author and conservative <coughs> columnist Douglas Murray and former Downing Street Director of Communications under Tony Blair, Alistair Campbell. Welcome to you both. Douglas Murray, uh, not finding many people prepared to stand up for Boris Johnson. Are you prepared to be in that number, or do you think it's all over? No, I, I said in April of 2021 that it was uh, clear what the problems were. Uh, Boris Johnson was elected uh, on a very clear mandate, a thumping mandate from the British public, mainly to do one thing, which was to deliver Brexit. And to his enormous credit, he actually managed to do that, uh, which, of course, his predecessor had not managed to do. Uh, he had saved the UK from the menace of <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party, and uh, after that, it was not clear what uh, he was doing. It wasn't clear what the agenda was. It was clear that he had a sort of 
lefty greenery sort of obsession, which lost a lot of his grassroots voters. And I said in January of this year in The Spectator that we'd got to the stage by the time of the Downing Street parties that basically, although Boris Johnson had a remarkable political gift, which was the gift to make the public feel better, and almost no politician in our lifetimes has actually had that gift, and it is a striking gift. Nevertheless, after the uh, revelations of the lockdown parties, I wrote in The Spectator, the laughter had died. It was the day that the laughter died. The joke had stopped being funny. And I think he's always been hanging on pretty much since then. I don't think the revelations of this past week are as extraordinary or thunderclap as people are making them out to be. I think they're simply, as Sajid Javid said in his Commons resignation speech, basically the last straw. Alistair Campbell, I mean, everyone knows your position about Boris Johnson. You can't stand him. You think he's a lying, cheating fraud and should have gone ages ago. So let's not have that debate again. I'm more interested, actually, with your political uh, expert hat on, having been in Downing Street for a long period of time, what is going on there tonight, do you think? If you were, you know, trying to keep Boris Johnson in place, what would you be doing? Well, I wouldn't be keeping him in place, Piers, because he's a lying crook. Uh, but as you say, you don't want to have that debate. Um, <clears throat> look, it'll be complete chaos in there, but this is what happens when you elect to the highest office in the land one of the most serious jobs in the world, somebody who's fundamentally not serious. What's happening in there is that he's surrounded himself with pretty second-rate people who are doing nothing but trying to prop him up. Now, some of the ministers have decided they won't put up with it anymore. Civil servants don't really have that choice. Some of them may feel in the end they just can't put up with it anymore and they'll go. So he's got political advisors as well. But what's going on in there at the moment, he's basically, you know, you know deep down he knows the game's up. And, you know, Douglas was talking there about Boris Johnson got Brexit done. That's turned out to be a bit of a disaster. Yes, he won an election, but as he says, it was against Jeremy Corbyn. And his majority wasn't that big. It was 80. I mean, it's, in, it's enough to, you know, to get a programme through. But what is the programme? What is the vision for the country? What is the plan for the country? So I've got to be honest, Piers, if I was in there now, whether I was a civil servant, whether I was a special advisor, whether I was one of these ministers... <laughs> I'd say, look, you know, you've had your time. Jump you've in. messed it up. Alistair. It's a complete disaster. You've got to go. I just want to jump in because we've got some breaking news. The BBC is reporting that Boris Johnson has sacked Michael Gove. <laughs> wow. uh, so wow. uh, I would imagine he's been wanting wow. to do that for quite a long time. Um, well, but that this, presumably this, is because Michael Gove told him to resign. Uh, Alistair, what do you make of that? Well, look, Michael Gove, I think, has been clear for some time. He's been very, very quiet in recent months, and I think he knows that this has just been a car crash in the making. He also knows, I think, that because he's got a reputation for having been, you know, disloyal, turned against Cameron, turned against Johnson at different points, that he didn't want necessarily to lead the charge. The charge was led last night by Sajid Javid and Rishi Sunak. But this is, look, what you're seeing here, Piers, is just, you're seeing a guy in the bunker, uh, I mean, what's going to happen? Who's he going to... Once he gets rid of... Look, he hasn't... He's got the weakest cabinet in British political history. Who's he going to appoint to this cabinet? Well, Even the people that were appointed... Well, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, no, I mean, look, you make, a, you make a good point. I mean, Douglas Murray, I'm not sure he's but, got many MPs left to actually fill all these vacancies. Well, We've now got... The a, first... The 39 resignations. Goh's been fired. He's got to fill 40... Yeah. Of these places. If I, I tell you what, Douglas, before you answer that, let me just get the news on Michael Gove so we know exactly what we're dealing with here. Kate McCann, our political editor, is live in Westminster. Kate, Michael Gove sacked, is that right? 
That is correct. The Prime Minister has sacked Michael Gove. Now, we know that Michael Gove went into Downing Street this morning. He was the first one of the Cabinet to go in to speak to Boris Johnson to say, look, the time may well be up. He then stepped back. He wasn't part of the delegation who went in again this afternoon. He felt that he'd done his job. My sources were telling me that over the last couple of days, 24 hours or so, Michael Gove has been sounding out exactly what's been happening in the House of Commons. Now, some said that was because he was wondering who next to back as the leader of the party. Others said it was because he was loyal to Boris Johnson. I can confirm that he has been sacked by the Prime Minister. Now, number 10 sources confirm a reshuffle or essentially new appointments of ministers are ongoing tonight. But the Prime Minister is absolutely defiant. He is not going anywhere. He believes that he has enough support within the Cabinet to carry on, Piers. But this is an incredible move. Remember the relationship between these two men. Michael Gove and Boris Johnson used to be as thick as thieves. There was a suggestion that Michael Gove had stabbed Boris Johnson in the back over the last leadership race. They then managed to come back together. Boris Johnson and Michael Gove has worked well together in government. Gove has been seen as someone key in the Cabinet. And now this. I mean, you really thought it couldn't get any more unbelievable, and tonight it has. Yeah, I mean, it's a quite extraordinary situation. Uh, Kate, uh, keep uh, working your sources. Let's try and get more information about this. We'll be back to you in a, a few moments. I want to go back to Douglas Murray. Douglas, you know, Michael Gove, big beast in the jungle there. Uh, obviously, a lot yes. of history with Boris Johnson. But the fact that Boris Johnson is now sacking <clears throat> people of that stature in his cabinet, this is a big moment, isn't it? Uh, it could well be. I'd make one uh, particular observation first, if I may, which is uh, something Alistair Campbell just said. One of the things that has kept Boris Johnson in power for, for longer than he might have been has been the ability he has had, and it's not without something something to it, to say, look, the, the people trying to get me out are the anti-Brexit people. The people trying to get me out are the uh, Remainers, the bitter Remainers, people who want to take us back in, and I'm the only person who can make sure that doesn't happen. And the more that the Remainers and that Remain lobby continues to talk in the terms it does about Boris, the more I think he has a single cause for hanging on. But when it comes to Gove, this is a very important development, and I'll explain why, if I may. Michael Gove uh, has just been, as Alistair Campbell said, has a reputation as a backstabber. It's quite unfair. Michael Gove backed Brexit on principle in 2016, which was not stabbing David Cameron in the back. It was fulfilling the logical endpoint of his own ideas as expressed in his columns for decades. But... What did he do when Boris Johnson stood for the prime ministership, stood for the leadership of the party? Michael Gove, everyone said, stabbed him in the back. In fact, Michael Gove said, I have seen things about Boris Johnson in recent days that persuade me he is unfit to run the country. Now, who might have been vindicated in the last couple of years in that judgment? Michael Gove. Michael Gove stood for the leadership saying he had seen something in Boris Johnson's behaviour that persuaded him he was not suitable prime ministerial material. Here's a wild possibility. Maybe Michael Gove was right. Well, why did, in which case, why did he sit in the cabinet the whole time? What I can't stand about these ministers now, Sunak and, and Javid, fair enough, they led the way yesterday. They've been defending the indefensible for years. They've known their whole lives what Boris Johnson is like. They decided to back him because he was leading on Brexit, because he, they thought he was a winner. They've always known... He has no moral compass. He has no real sense of what he's in politics for. And, that you know, he, it was always, always going to end like this. And they're now finding that he's also a complete narcissist, probably with sociopathic tendencies, which is why he's sitting oh, there now on. in the bunker, shooting him. Oh, of course on. he is. Listen, this is a guy, Douglas, who only cares about his own interests. 
If it was Honestly, but, but, I mean, I've got to say, I've got to say though. Listen, I mean, whichever side you're on, whichever side you're on, though, Douglas, about this, there is a touch of the Donald Trumps about what's going on tonight, isn't there, with Boris, where he's basically getting rid of all the enemies. I mean, this is a number ten source about Michael Gove talking to Chris Mason from the BBC. You cannot have a snake. That's Michael Gove who is not with you on any of the big arguments, who then gleefully briefs the press that he's called for the leader to, leader to go. You cannot operate like that. Uh, calling him a I snake. First of, all, look, I do, first of all, I don't think it's appropriate for Alistair Campbell to be throwing out pseudo-medical terms about political leaders. And frankly, I think most of the British I can say what will listen, think... They, I can say what I like, think, just as you. Oh, you listen, can, you and people, I'll just... I'll listen, I'll the show's called like, Piers Morgan Uncensored. You can both say what the hell you like. Douglas, And I'll say what I like. Let Douglas speak, Alistair, please. Alistair, you can I'll say what I like, which is... And I'll say what I like. Guys, guys, time out, time out. Alistair, let Douglas have his say, then respond. Right? You're both uncensored. You can say what the hell you like. Douglas, finish. Most people remember Alistair Campbell's career. Most people recognise him as being more responsible than anyone in our lifetimes for degrading the idea of truth in politics. Most people oh, in Britain want to hear Alistair Campbell talking about talking about truth about as much as we Piers, want to hear Jeffrey Epstein talking about the age of consent. The idea that Alistair Campbell is any kind of expert on truth or decency is absolutely laughable. All right, Alistair, your chance Piers, to respond. If you're going to bring me on to talk with these right-wing non-entities who are part of the problem in this country <laughs> anyway, we can talk yeah, all you yeah, want yeah. about this guy. This people like Murray and the Spectator. Why don't you talk about David Kelly? People like Murray from the Spectator, where Johnson was spawned, they are part of the problem. They created this beast. They created this man who has got no morality, no honesty, Tell no objectivity, Kelly, no openness. Alistair. He has trashed Tell every single David one of the standards Kelly. in public life. And Piers, I've got to tell you, I thought I was coming on to talk to you because you're quite a serious person. I'm, I've got Sherwood on pause downstairs. Take Douglas Murray, take him back and put him in his 55 Tufton Street bin and I'll see you later. All the best. Thank you, Alistair, you, Alistair Campbell. Nice Pre to see you. Take care. Lots of love to Aaron. Thanks for joining us, Lots of love. Alistair. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. We've sadly lost Alistair Campbell. Uh, Douglas Murray, given you've had the grace to stay with me, would you like to have the final mm. word? Sure. As I say, uh, you know, Alistair Campbell and some of the very bitter Remainers have just been one of the reasons why Boris Johnson has been able to stay, because he's always been able to say, look, there are these very powerful figures who are, who are at the centre of politics, have been at the centre of politics, who want to drag us back into the EU. We've even had it from Tory MPs in, in Boris's own party. And so his one thing of holding on to power has been, look, I'm Mr Brexit, I know what I'm doing, and outside are all of these forces that want to drag us back into the EU. But I reiterate my point. We do not need to hear about the concept of truth, decency or integrity in politics from Alistair Campbell. That's a long long time gone that we wanted to hear well, that. Well, I would, give him, I would give him a final right of reply, yeah. but he's unfortunately yeah. left but the building. But he walked, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. And though. Douglas, you stayed, and, and thank you for staying. I appreciate it. Uh, really pleasure. appreciate you joining me, Douglas. Uh, well, dramatic night tonight, uh, not least between our guests. Uh, 39 resignations now. Michael Gove sacked. What else is going to happen? Uh, we've got half an hour more of this uh, two-hour special. We'll be back with our panel immediately after break. Stay with us. Anything can happen. Probably in the next three minutes. We're looking at uh, the sun setting on Westminster. Is it setting on Boris Johnson's premiership? 
as the leader of his country. Well, not yet. He's uh, hanging in there. However, I did warn you before the break that there might be a few more resignations while we were off air. And sure enough, there were two. So while we were literally having a commercial break, uh, James Daly MP has quit as PBS as Secretary for Work and Pensions. David Mundell MP has resigned as the government's trade envoy to New Zealand. So we're now at 41 members of the government who've resigned. Trevor, I'm not even sure how many there are. How many are there? Well, he's running out fast. <laughs> and, uh, is he going to be able to re replace them? That's the big question. Quite extraordinary. Ava, what do, you, what do you make of this? I mean, you're a lot younger than me and Trevor, so we've been around the block of this kind of chaos a few times, but I can't remember anything quite like this. What do you, what do you think about our political system right now? Well, it's rats running from a sinking ship, isn't mm. it? I mean, this, these two latest resignations are totally inconsequential. These are just people who are now panicking that they're not going to get voted back in. Like James Daly's 2019 intake, he's just worried about securing his seat again. David, I'm, he was trade on envoy to New Zealand, so I guess that's kind of, you know, what is that, our post-Brexit trade deals? We've now got no this great agreement New Zealand, with New so that's Zealand. that's quite pointless, or, isn't it? OK, yeah, but also completely inconsequential to our GDP. Oh. So, you know, proper inconsequential resignations. These are just people who care about themselves. And actually, sorry, I'd love to go back to what you were discussing earlier and mm. that briefing that Number 10 have put out. Mm. That is not a different Boris Johnson. Yeah. That is exactly the same Boris Johnson. Look on the third line where he says that no cabinet minister has asked him to resign. That is a flat-out lie. It's still Boris Johnson lying. That is same Boris yet again. Trevor? Oh, well, I think Boris has a, a distinct... Uh disrelationship with the truth and mm. that's been part of his life ever since he entered the world of even journalism mm. uh, the reason Max Hastings sacked him and so on yeah uh, long and checkered history it's almost sociopathic isn't it well I think yeah. I do think there's a Trumpian streak in in Boris where I think he doesn't think the rules apply to him he doesn't care about truth particularly and he thinks he can just kind of barrel his way through stuff because you know what like Trump actually they both rose to the biggest office in their countries by doing that. Yeah. So, let's go to Adam Bolton. Adam, um, Michael Gove, uh, is this a, a... I've seen your tweet, quite intriguing tweet, suggesting this might be a very positive thing for his own leadership ambition that Boris has fired him. Yes, I think so, because I think it shows that Michael Gove is a man of principle, uh, tells the Prime Minister what he thinks. Uh, important to remember Michael Gove, an ex-Times columnist, and the Times newspaper this morning was calling uh, for uh, Boris Johnson to go, uh, and is ready to face the consequences. Uh, I think we can work out now, Piers, what's been going on this evening, which is that Plan A to get rid of Boris Johnson has failed. Plan A was that those cabinet ministers uh, who went in to see the prime minister said to him, if you don't resign, we're going to resign. And he called their bluff, as they say uh, in that note from the Downing Street briefer. He said, OK, well, I'm not going to resign. And guess what? They didn't all resign. Uh, and uh, now they're beginning uh, to try and uh, resurrect their careers as servants of uh, Boris Johnson. Now, I think all, this, all that this means is that Plan B now becomes more important. And Plan B is the 1922 committee in the Parliamentary Party uh, going through various processes to change the rules and to have a vote of no confidence in Boris Johnson uh, next week. That looks like where we're heading. Boris Johnson will try and bluff it out over the weekend. He'll say, I've got great ideas, I've been treated unfairly, blah, blah, blah. But it seems to me that the die is cast, that the Parliamentary Party has decided they want rid of him, and uh, that's how they'll do it. There'll be a brutal drag-out until then.
Fascinating. Thanks, Adam. Um, Esther, Boris Johnson sacking someone for disloyalty. Yeah. Is irony just dead? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't think those two words should be in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Boris and loyalty. But, you know... Uh, you know what's ironic? Chris Pincher has not resigned. Mm -hmm. Can we just can yeah. we just have a moment of so silence? So the original yet? Groper Pincher exactly. is still there. Exactly. And it's, this is the madness that is now our politics. I, I must say, as entertaining as this is, this is also extremely disappointing because it's just showing the worst of Boris. I don't I don't know if this is what was his intention. I don't well, know Matt, Shawley, Matt Shawley here from Times Radio, a very funny guy at the best of times, said nothing in his life became him like the leaving... And he is leaving it like a chaotic, forgetful, deluded, selfish, directionless, friendless, childish, thin-skinned, confused, narcissistic, lunatic. Tell me what you really think. Trevor? He was now sociopathic. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Well, I don't think he's going to go. Not uh, of his own volition in any way, shape or form. He'll have to be kicked out or dragged out. And that's eventually what's going to happen. All the way to the Tower of London. We're going to bring in uh, former MP Neil Parrish, who, of course, uh, fell on his sword after the... Uh, well, Porngate, I think it was called, wasn't it, Mr Parrish? Um, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about uh, Boris Johnson this evening? Well, I think, you know, sacking Michael Gove is like sort of creating a Duke of Buckingham. Um, you're going to have, he's going to mass his troops on the side now and come in against Boris. I imagine it was, you know, having lot, watched a lot of westerns in my, my youth, I imagine it was which one got to the draw first, really. Um, Boris, I imagine, fired him before he thought Michael Gove was going to resign. So, I mean, it's crazy play situation. You know, I mean, the, the pincher situation, he should never have been there. You know, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have put... Um, you know, it's like putting a fox in charge of your, your chickens. I mean, this is a man, and I'm not being funny about this, this is a man, Pincher, who who actually was a welfare of, of our members. And, and not only was he sort of, you know, touching people inappropriately, he was also saying, um, you know, you can go far in the Conservative Party. And this is, this is a man who is there to help us. Um, I mean, it's crazy stuff. And then, and of course, Boris, you know, first of all, uh, you know, a few days ago says, well, I won't take the whip from him because he's done nothing wrong. And, and then over a period of several days, he has to refute all of that. And then he comes out yesterday and said, of course, I knew all about it. And he was a terrible man, Christopher Pincher, and he must go. And of course, okay. meanwhile, meanwhile, people like Therese Coffey and others have had to go out and defend the Boris situation only for five minutes later to be for it to be refuted. I mean, I mean they, many, they're no, fed up. Mr Parrish, many, many people <laughs> might agree with you, but they might think it's pretty rich coming from you, given you had to resign for watching porn in Parliament. I mean, do you think you're the best guy to take the high well, moral I mean, ground with Pincher? No, I no, but come, come on, Pierce. You mean I? Well, it's you know, a pretty obvious I, question, isn't it? I, I mean, you're, I, I you're moralising away about Pincher. Yeah, yeah. No, I did. You know, I stand by what I did, and I stand you by. Stand the fact by that, watching porn in, in the no, comments. No, no, I, I stand by the fact that I resigned and I did the right thing, and so therefore. Yeah, but you resigned I, because what, you did the wrong thing. Well, yes, but, but it was right to resign, and therefore... Right, but it was what, wrong no, to do you, what you were doing. I'm just wondering it, whether you think you're the no, right no. guy to put the halo on and play the high moral ground <laughs> I, with I'm, old picture. I'm not putting any... Aren't you all basically I, collectively to blame for I'm the not, impression the public has got that you're a bunch of sleazy people who are actually betraying the British taxpayers? I mean, that's what, well, that's let, what let, many let, people think. 
Yeah, look, Pierce, you know, if you if you don't resign, you're sleazy. If you do resign, you're sleazy. I mean, I made the right decision. I stand by what I did. What I what you can't do is put somebody in a position of power, which, you know, can influence the the, the, the jobs in government um, and then leave them there. They've got, you know, he, a Pincher had a minder, all of those things. And so that's what I'm saying to you quite clearly. Look, MPs at the end of the day will make a decision on Boris as a, is he a winner is he a loser they've largely come to the conclusion now that he's losing votes he's not winning it and therefore you know we can't trust what he says um, and you know I like Boris believe it or not but you you go in to see him I mean you know, I was I was looking after agriculture as select committee chair I'd go in and say Boris you know we've got to protect our food standards on trade deals and he'd say yes absolutely Neil I'll look after the farmers um, then the free traders go in and we need a complete free trade deal with no, you know, no complications, Boris. So that's what we get, you see. So, I mean, I think one of one of Boris's great weaknesses is he, he likes to be loved by everybody. He likes to tell you what you want to hear. But, of course, in the end, he can't deliver it. Well, and that's so the problem. I'm afraid he's just full of hot air. He'll say whatever he thinks will please whoever he's talking to at the time. Uh, Neil Parrish, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Th thank you uh, very It's been another resignation while we were talking uh, to Neil Parrish there. Uh, Adam Bolton, I think, uh, has the breaking news on the latest resignation. Adam? Yes, uh, this is Danny Kruger, who's resigned as uh, a uh, parliamentary private secretary at uh, the uh, department, Michael Gove's department. He's basically said he's doing it uh, uh, in support of Michael Gove. Uh, he is, of course, uh, perhaps best known as the son of Prue Leith uh, of Bake Off fame. Uh, he's also the MP who last week said that a woman couldn't have... Uh, total sovereignty over her body uh, in relation to abortion if she was pregnant. Uh, but he's decided to go. That takes it, I think, up to 43 now. And it really does, uh, if you do the maths, make it very difficult to see yeah. how all these posts can be filled uh, by the Prime Minister. I mean, in fact, there are no ministers left at the Department of Levelling Up, uh, which, remember, was So we key... can't have any levelling up because there's no-one to actually do the levelling yeah, up. Yeah, uh... and that was the key key <laughs> promise of 2019. Quite unbelievable. So, uh... Uh, Adam Bolton, thank you very much. We'll go back to Kate McCann now, who's got a bit more meat on the bone about Michael <laughs> Gove, I think. Kate? Yeah, hi, Piers. I've been having a quick chat with uh, sources behind the scenes in number 10. I think it's fair to say we can expect more action coming from that direction in the next half an hour or so. They are now talking about what they call a wider reshuffle. We might call, as Adam says there, trying to refill some of those positions which have been left vacant. But they say that this has been a long time coming, that Michael Gove was never going to be allowed to stay in the Cabinet after, and I quote being so treacherous. They see his actions this morning, essentially going in to speak to the Prime Minister, warning that the Prime Minister's time is up, and then briefing the media about it as the final straw. Really, that was what Boris Johnson drew, drew the line at today and decided that Michael Gove had to go to. Well, I, I actually have... Just talking about some... I have a bit on that myself, actually. My impeccable sources tell me that Gove gave Boris an ultimatum. Go now or I will quit by 9pm... And so as they got to 9pm, Boris sacked him. Yeah, and you know what? There's been a fascinating suggestion that half of the ministers who've been going into Downing Street tonight, the ones who've been saying, look, Prime Minister, your time is up, that they are saying exactly the same thing. And even those allies close to the Prime Minister 
who say, look, his position, that he's going to stick it out, that he's going to fight, that actually might do him more harm than good because those cabinet ministers who've said, if you don't go, then we will, it will prompt them to cross that line and then the prime minister will not be able to go back from that. So over the next couple of days, maybe, Piers, even the next couple of hours, we should start to see the result of those briefings that we're getting from the yeah. prime minister, which are incredibly punchy, to say the least. It's funny, though, because as we're talking about this, Nadine Dorries, the most loyal of the loyal, has tweeted... The PM's priority is to stabilise the government, set a clear direction for the country and continue to deliver on the promises he made and the British public voted for. Well, as Adam pointed out there, one of those key priorities was levelling up and housing and there are now no ministers at all in that department. Well, I think you should probably give all the main jobs to Nadine Doris and give us all a good laugh. Uh, Kate, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> we'll be back with you. Uh, we'll take a short break. We'll be back. Resignations coming and going uh, so fast we can't keep up with them. Don't even want commercials, to be honest. All hell might be breaking loose. But we will be back in a couple of minutes. <laughs> See who's gone by then. <laughs> Uh, welcome back to Pismong. We're essentially looking over Parliament tonight. All hell's breaking loose down there. People resigning every few minutes, up to 43, we think now. 42, I'm sorry, members of the government, so hard to keep up with them. Uh, Michael Gove has been uh, unceremoniously fired by Boris Johnson tonight. And a mystery car is apparently now in Downing Street. We think it's either about to come in or leave. It may even be a hearse, a political hearse. We're not sure what's going on. Uh, Tim Shipman political editor of uh, the Sunday Times has just tweeted, one can only assume as events unfold that they are pretty effing far into the suitcase of wine in number 10 tonight, which I think reflects my own views. It is total carnage tonight in the heart of British politics. Ava, um, we've got to assume at some stage this gets overwhelming and Boris does go. How do we recover as a country from this kind of madness and party gay and all the stuff that's gone on? You know, American friends of mine, French friends of mine, they're, laugh they're laughing at our democratic system, at our politicians. Well, I think we keep... Breaking news, a car did come into Downing Street and it's now turned round and left. It's pulled, it's pulled an Alistair Campbell. It slid round the back. <laughs> what does that mean? That means whoever is in that car, either somebody's in that car who doesn't want to be seen or someone's going out the back who doesn't want to be seen. So we'll get to the bottom of this. Kate McCann will be on this. We'll find out before the end of the programme. Uh, Ava, there's a serious point, isn't there? This is so damaging, all this, for the, the reputation of Britain as a great leader of democracy. Yeah, I mean, I think we soiled our reputation, you know, the last couple of years, actually, with this entire government. This is not just down to Boris Johnson. Boris, it's the, the Boris Johnson cabal. Mm. So you've got Priti Patel. She's not leaving. She's the person who introduced that disastrous Rwanda policy, which looks like it's going to stay. And the only reason that came in was to save Johnson's back the first time. Michael Gove's leaving. He was all right. We never found out what was actually going on with the with the levelling up agenda. I don't know if you know what that is. I don't know what it is. No. Do you? Well, well, everybody in that department has now left, so I don't think anyone knows what it is. <laughs> Maybe he'll well, tell no us. No, we won't. Will we? The I mean, city of Atlantis will always be mystery to us. Trevor, I mean, look, it's it's a febrile atmosphere down there. Boris Johnson lashing out, firing his critics, people who are calling his bluff. He's, he says he's calling everybody else's bluff. How long could this roll out? This kind of chaos. Well, it could go on for weeks, and I think the point you made with Ava was that this is a very serious situation. Yeah. We, if, if he does go, or when he does go, 
We're going to have to have a leadership election, which can take weeks. Mm. Then it has to go to the uh, party. And then you have the process of a new leader trying to form a government and forge a relationship with the, with the uh, public. Mm. In the meantime, you might, as you say, and as uh, Ava has said, uh, the, we might have uh, Boris, uh, the uh, Keir Starmer find, and in which case he will have to go. Which will be unbelievable. We then have the two major parties in the country in total chaos. Mm. The country will be in total chaos. There'll be no leader. It might actually work better. I think we actually are in chaos now. I think yeah. our stagnation is chaotic. The fact that you've got Keir Starmer replicating Boris Johnson's policies, no one is different at the moment. If we get a new leader in, they're going to deliver more of the same chaos that Boris Johnson's already given us. Of, um, social Democrat, isn't exactly. it? And, uh, exactly. That's, that's the main OK, thing. just want to uh, interrupt, guys. Uh, Kate McCann, I think you've got James Utteridge from Number 10, who's been sent out to speak on behalf of the Prime Minister. Is that right? <laughs> I do. I do have him with me, Piers. My producers are just miking him up for a quick second. So while I let them get on with doing that and then we can have a chat with you uh, on air with James Dudderidge, who, as you say, is here to talk in support of the government. One of the biggest questions, I think, is how we move on from this, how the Prime Minister moves from where can he you, is Can right you ask a question from me? Got to be tomorrow. Can you ask him a question from me? Of course can, I can. Can you make it the first question? Just say, Piers would like to know, what the hell is Boris still doing there? Serious question. Well, two seconds, two seconds, and then he will be mic'd up and I will ask him. OK. And I will ask him that question for you. But look, Does, at the end of the day... While we're waiting for this guy to be mic'd up, he Boris Johnson spoke to him, I just want to say, if you're watching Love Island tonight, you want to switch over, because this is more dramatic than anything Love Island can give you. This is political Love Island. In fact, it's the opposite. It's political hate island, where everybody hates each other and they're all trying to kill each other. It's Games of Thrones meets <laughs> Love Island. Uh, Kate, is he mic'd up yet? Not yet, OK. Before we get here, this is extraordinary, isn't it? We've got a, a guy from number 10, Trevor, <coughs> who's been sent out. Oh, OK, we're going to go back to Kate McCann, I'm sorry. Kate, ask him my question. So, yes, Piers, I have a question. James Sudderish, thank you so much for joining us Always this a pleasure. Piers Morgan has a question for you. How can Boris Johnson stay in office tonight? I'm happy to answer questions from you. My wife would divorce me if I took questions from Piers Morgan. Well, I refuse to go on me. with him take because the it's, from it's, me. it's terrible. I love you. You're brilliant. Take what the question, question have from you me. got from me? How can Boris Johnson stay in office tonight? He's seen a steady stream of cabinet ministers turning up at his door, telling him that he needs to move on. He's seen the chairman of the 1922 committee doing exactly the same, and yet he says he's the right man for the job. So he can do it by coming out fighting. He can come out do it by making quick appointments tonight. We expect appointments. Um, he can come out by being bold. He sacked Michael Gove. I wasn't in, in there. I don't know why, but I'm told he was sacked, sacked Michael Gove. He's listening to people. He's going to take action. Next week, with his new Chancellor Exchequer, he's going to launch a new economic uh, plan. Um, that will include tax cuts. I don't know what type of tax cuts, but that was what he promised when he wrote uh, to MPs, a three, four-page letter that was delivered on the vote of their confidence. Uh, hey, Gay is following him, through on does, that. Does he, think he's, does he think he's now Britain's comical alley? Yeah, the yeah, sorry, I, I've got Piers in, in, in the end. The only person that's comical here is, is him. He should get back so, well, to if you can hear me, if you can hear me, my ears, yeah. if you can I hear love, me, you're I, being... I love Kate. I will answer to Kate, but I'm not going to answer to you. I think it's very, very bad TV. I don't need to be disrespectful. OK, look, really? well, then, okay let me tell you what I think of you, you impertinent little twerk, right? I think you're very bad TV. You're the comical alley of British politics. Everyone's laughing at you. So if I suggest you take your little mic off and pop off back inside. Um, Rude little man. Yeah, I think it makes good. 
good TV, but you know, this crap about um, it being like Love Island um, is, is rubbish. We love one another. Thank you so much. We do have Here's. to. I think, uh, I think, unfortunately, we've uh, lost our opportunity to talk to James there. But James, uh, you. thank you, thank you so much. Let me help you unclip that, uh, which is in <laughs> your pocket. There we go. I didn't mean to be rude. I have That's enough. quite all right. But Piers, look, one of the one of the big things <laughs> there. <laughs> one of the big. Well, hang on, Kate. We can't just pretend Let what happened didn't just happen. Thank you. Very much. Is he thank still you attached so to you? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Piers, one of the things there, one of the things that we did learn there... Well, hang on, uh, hang on. Okay, we can't just pretend that didn't happen. Who is that guy? A, who is he? Uh, and B, how dare he be so rude? Who is he? Uh, do you know what? I feel like I'm in the middle of some beef that I didn't know even existed <laughs> until 10 seconds well, ago. I've never met the guy. I don't know who he is. Who is he? <laughs> he is here to talk in support of Boris Johnson. Well, he was. He was here to speak yeah, but who, who is he? Johnson. Unfortunately, who is he? Unfortunately, he's... Uh, He's gone. He's my Tory MP. I mean, very supportive, very loyal member of Boris Johnson's team. Wow. I mean, and there are, you know, there are uh, a few of them out tonight. We've heard from Jacob Rees-Mogg. Can you ask him? Can you ask him when we're finished? Can you ask him if he'd like to bring his wife on the show tomorrow night and have a little two-header? Look, I can do my best and ask him, but he's uh, he's gone to speak to another crew, so I fear I may have missed my a chance. A terrible loss for this show, uh, for Piers Morgan Uncensored, but he is now being called Comical Alley, apparently, all over Twitter. So I think the loss is probably more his than it is ours. But, uh, Kate, fantastic effort, most entertaining. Thank you for all your brilliant work tonight. Uh, the madness continues, and uh, hopefully we'll get him and his wife on tomorrow night. Um, <clears throat> well, that's about... <laughs> That's about... Thank you to my panel, uh, to Trevor, to Ava, to Esther. Thank you all very much. It's been an extraordinary night. It has. We've had people who've been... Uh, had to lose their jobs for watching porn in Parliament, taking the high moral ground with gropers called Pincher. We've had Alistair Campbell ripping his mic off and storming off because someone had the effrontery to call him out. God forbid. And we've had some MP I've never heard of tell me his wife hates me and then say he's fed up with me talking about Love Island, which I hate, uh, and he's not going to talk to us anymore either. Quite extraordinary scenes. I think my fit... Apparently, he's a PPS to Boris Johnson, which must be one of the loneliest jobs in the history of British politics. Duddering Dudderidge, the comical alley of world politics, has uh, decided he's too grand to talk to me, and so's his wife. Well, you know what? I don't care, because you're not going to be in a job by next week, and I am. So that's that. Um, another extraordinary day in British politics. The greasy piglet and his little greasy minions remain in Downing Street in their sty tonight. But for how much longer? The clock is ticking of Boris Johnson's time as Prime Minister. And you can take this bet to the bank, Mr Dudderidge, Dudderidge, whatever your name is. You and your boss will be gone by next week. Take it to the bank. That's it for us tonight. Keep it uncensored. Good night. <laughs>